KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We have spent more than a year now in a pandemic, and it's been a challenge for everyone's mental health, regardless of how much COVID has directly affected you. But it would seem that brighter days are ahead. We wanted to talk about the effect the last year has had on folks and how we deal with some of the emotions that people are going to feel as we emerge from the pandemic. Our guest for this discussion is Dr. Jamie Zuckerman. She is a clinical psychologist, really fascinating and important stuff. Give a listen. So we are more than a year into the COVID-19 pandemic, and I'm just curious, people that you you help, people that you talk to in a professional and maybe even peers, colleagues, stuff like that, what is the general sense you're getting from people here a year in? What, what are they feeling? What are their concerns? What do you hear? The general consensus, I would say, is that I think people are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. They're starting to kind of slowly reintegrate themselves when appropriate and when able to into society, trying to get back to that, quote, pre-pandemic life. I do think, and I, I know that we talked about this before, that it also depends on the level of anxiety or depression that they went into this with. Because when we had the lockdown, when we have social distancing, when we're quarantined, one of the things that benefits people with anxiety is that it's this kind of mandated avoidance that was built into our day to day. We couldn't go places. We couldn't socialize with friends. We couldn't go to work. So people that have anxiety, which is based on avoidance of the things that make you uncomfortable, um, got to avoid it for a significant amount of time. And actually those were the people that were doing quite well emotionally during quarantine. And I would say quite well, you know, quite well given, given the circumstances. As we slowly come out of this and start to socialize more with less restrictions, the more you avoid, the worse anxiety eventually will get. And so what I'm seeing, though, is while a lot of people are hopeful about the future, particularly those who have gotten vaccinated, they feel that they're able to do more now. um, The people that had that anxiety that were doing better, their anxiety is actually starting to skyrocket uh, because they have to go back into the stuff that they were avoiding for a long time. How do you, specifically with those people who are probably the inverse of what most people think you're dealing with. And I know we touched on this before, but I think it's worth looking into again, especially because now it's kind of on the doorstep. It's not so much a vague concept that we know we'll get to one day, but it's getting closer every day. What do you, what do you tell them? What is, what are the important things to focus on to help them work through Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing, and I, and I actually tell this to everybody that, we have to be careful saying going back to pre-pandemic because the, this the end is not it's not this dichotomous end date that we have this all or nothing it started on this date and it ends on this date this is going to be a gradual prolonged kind of transition so there's a lot of uncertainty so this transition even though it's good because we're going back you know we're going out again um, 
the uncertainty is very overwhelming for people, especially people with anxiety, because they like certainty. They like to be able to predict what comes next. And when our brains can't predict what comes next, we get anxious. So what I tell them is to, you know, first and most important, manage your expectations that we are not going back into a totally pre-pandemic society out there. And that if that's their expectation, and this is really true for anybody, there's going to be disappointment. There's going to be increased anxiety, increased sadness, things like that. But also for the people that have that kind of existing anxiety, because things are uncertain, you want to look for the things that you can control. If you can control, let's say you want to start taking workout classes again, eventually, maybe you haven't done a workout class in the last year. So if you used to work out three times a week and that seems super overwhelming to you, start with one, right? If you used to socialize with friends and you went out every, let's say Wednesday night and Sunday night, maybe start with one night, maybe start at somebody's house, maybe start outside and then slowly, you know, grabs it. You don't have to rush to eat indoors. You could dine outdoors. And so you want to take these, these goals that you have and break them down into what I like to say, insultingly small steps. And it's not about accomplishing the task. It's about, it's about developing a sense of mastery and showing yourself that A, you can do it and B, nothing bad happened. I want to talk about the concept of optimism because mm-hmm. I think it is something that people haven't felt for a long time. And to your earlier point in the conversation, I think society, I wouldn't say as a whole, but a good portion of society is kind of turning the corner and feeling more optimistic After this year, like, how important is that? After a year of what really just kind of felt like constant doom scrolling, and I don't just mean that in the Twitter sense. I just mean, like, where every day it felt like it was something. If it wasn't the virus, it was, you know, protests and the fight for social justice, and it was, you know, an assault on the Capitol. Like, it, it was just a lot. How important is it to kind of let yourself feel good that things are getting better? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's extremely important. And I also think it's important to look at optimism as one of many feelings that you have. So when people, you know, people may feel optimistic, but simultaneously they may feel some guilt. Let's say they had a family member that died and now there's, they're optimistic. They're going to feel that push pull, you know, cause those are very opposing emotions. So I think it's important to let people know that optimism is extremely important. And I think it's amazing to have it. I think it's not something that should be forced. I think people develop optimism in in different ways because we've been through different things during this pandemic. You know, somebody may have gotten really sick. Somebody may have died. um, Somebody may have long lasting symptoms from this. So everybody's going to have a different level of optimism and develop it at a different rate. But like I said before, I I think it's extremely important for people to understand that you can feel sad and optimistic at the same time. You can feel anxious and optimistic. You can feel a level of guilt um, for being optimistic and simultaneously being optimistic. How do you work through that? Because my next question was literally, you know, what if you have, is it right to to feel optimistic if, Mm-hmm. Your best friend's mom died in this mm-hmm. and you're, mm-hmm. you were lucky enough to get through where yeah. lockdown was the worst thing you had to deal with. How do you mm-hmm. kind of deal with that kind of internally and also in, you know, with people that you're, you're close to who maybe don't share it? 
Yeah. So um, there is something to be said for a level of survivor's guilt that people are experiencing during this, um, you know, during this pandemic. It's actually pretty common. And is it right to feel optimistic? Yeah, there's no right or wrong. It's kind of whatever emotions come up for you are, are what come up for you. You can't really control that. I can't force myself to not feel optimism, just like I can't force myself to not feel guilty because when you force something, it has the opposite effect. So what I tell people is whatever emotion comes up for you, have it, have it. What really matters are your behaviors in response to those emotions. So, you know, if you feel optimistic and simultaneously you feel guilt feeling optimistic because a friend's mother had passed away, Maybe use an optimism and do something towards volunteer work, right? Or some sort of charity or something like that. Or do something, you know, that makes your friend's life a little bit easier. You know, you can always push it in that direction. What I teach people is acceptance of those emotions as they come up for you and work with them on not labeling them as good, bad, you know, things like that. And I also think it's important that obviously within reason, but I also don't think there's anything wrong with conveying optimism to people around you who maybe don't feel as optimistic, because if we don't do that, it continues to perpetuate this kind of dark cycle that we've been in. And people that have lost people, they want to feel optimistic, right? They're grieving, but you also can grieve and feel optimistic at the same time. Um, again, it's that push pull. It feels awkward, but you know, I think it's important that we get that out there, but each person is going to have their own level of optimism to that point. And once again, uh, you almost keep giving me the off ramp for the next question. that's in my head. There are a lot of people that I don't know if addicted is the word, but are kind of in this cycle. And you reference that of negativity. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think there were people like that before the pandemic. There are just people Mm -hmm. that are wired that way or, or Mm -hmm. their life circumstance or whatever. Uh, but I think there's a lot more people like that because they've been hit over the head with bad news for a year now. If it's somebody close to you, that is kind of a yeah, but person, you know, you talk about the vaccines and they've got a, you know, well, I'm not going to get it for months. And you know, how do you kind of nurse them, even not forcing optimism on them, but don't let them bring you down and also try to lift them up. I, because the nature of this pandemic really had two very opposing sides and no one was convincing anybody. I think that when you speak your mind about something, you have to do it with the intention of not trying to convince anybody of anything. Because when somebody feels that their, their viewpoint is being challenged Again, the opposite thing happens. They become more defensive. They, they, you know, kind of stay stuck on their points and their views. So I encourage an open dialogue, but not with the goal of convincing the other person. It's important to just get it off your chest, speak your mind, speak your opinion, but in no way, shape or form, try to convince them otherwise, because they will dig their feet in way more. And it causes arguments, you know, between family members. There's a lot of families that, I, you know, I've, I've been working with people and and you have opposing political views. You have opposing views on the pandemic, on the vaccine. And I think part of optimism in this past year is not so much convincing other people, but hearing other people's sides 
you don't have to agree with them. And you can, you know, you can think they're as wrong as anything, but it's that battle that creates that tension. And I think optimism, you can't create it for somebody else. If somebody is kind of negative about this and saying, you know, you know, I'm never getting the vaccine or um, anything that, you know, this is never going to end. Or even after they get the vaccine, they're still, I'm not going out about this and their life is still boxed in even with this. And they're, they're kind of refusing to move forward because they're scared, which is really what this is probably all based in anyway, is fear. There's no convincing them. And so that kind of takes, so when you say what brings you down to stop bringing yourself down, that trying to convince somebody else will take away your optimism. It's like kind of like a useless struggle almost. Another thing I'm curious about is going to the full other end of the spectrum are we about to see a year of risk taking of people who have, you know, kind of pent up and, hey, who knows when this could end? You know, I just spent a year scared. I'm going to do whatever I want. And how could that, number one, am I on to anything there? And number two, how could we see that manifest itself? Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a little bit of kind of this re- like pandemic revenge almost in the shape of like, in the form of like maybe going on a vacation, right? Because you haven't been on vacation or you haven't gone to a restaurant. I would think that the people that would become risk takers after this would be people that were risk takers before this anyway. Um, And I don't think that something like this is going to make people risk takers. If anything, I think it would probably be the the opposite. I think people are going to be more selective in who they choose to socialize with and what work they choose to do and the manner in which they do it. And because you kind of had to limit yourself and, you know, to branch back out again, some people feel certain things that were in their life before just are no longer necessary. So I actually feel that people that were risk takers before will continue to be people that weren't risk takers or people that were very cautious. I think you're going to maybe see a little bit of a trickle up, but, but nothing crazy you know, maybe go on vacation or go out to dinner, like I said. Um, But but I really don't think that's going to result in crazy risk taking behavior. What is the juggling act with vaccination I know some people that have been vaccinated that I don't know what quite what the word is, but are a little hesitant to broadcast it. Number one, maybe they're they're just a very kind of personal person and don't think it's anyone business, but mm-hmm. also don't want to get hit with a ton of questions of, well, how did you get it? Why are and I'm not talking people that jumped lines or did yeah. stuff that you know, maybe was a little untoward, but also we all know, and every public health person I talk to knows it is so important for people to let people around them know they've been vaccinated because it might help push people on the fence in the right direction and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What's the balancing act there? Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a really good point. Um, I think there were, there were a lot of people that got vaccinated out of order and, those may be the people that don't discuss their vaccination because of the manner in which they got it. Um, or, you know, you'll always run into people that will say, I, yes, I got it right for their own reasons. And then there's the other category too, of people that shouldn't have gotten it, but gotten it because they take care of their elderly mother or they have a child that has a severe 
autoimmune disease and is susceptible. I mean, there's, it's so not as black and white, I think, as it was made out to be, you know, obviously healthcare workers, right. And, you know, because they're around people that are sick and they bring it up to their families, but you know, there was a lot of situations that were gray with this. Those people may be more likely to say they got vaccinated than the ones who didn't need to be yet, but got it anyway. And I think people that got the vaccine that were supposed to be getting it in this order, I haven't really come across anybody, patients, colleagues, friends, family who have gotten it and are keeping it a secret because by doing that, you don't really open any of those reentry doors for yourself. And I think by holding back that you were vaccinated, you continue that seclusion when it may not be as necessary anymore. And I think that it, it, that affects mental health um, would be my concern, you know, going and playing tennis because you're vaccinated now. I mean, that's a big deal for, you know, you know, going and playing basketball outside, that's a big deal for people. So we're going back to work, grandparents seeing their grandkids. So I think it opens the door for a lot of socialization that without saying you've had the vaccine would, would not happen. I think that would be extremely detrimental to our mental health. Do you have concerns about people dealing with jealousy because their friends are vaccinated and they're not? Yes. Yes. And how big a concern, like how could, how do you work through that and not let it kind of affect the relationship, even in just kind of snide comments and stuff that might bubble to the top? Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that. What I would remind people is that you too will get vaccinated. This kind of they're vaccinated, you're not, is a temporary state. It will even out. You will get vaccinated. It will happen. And, as, you know, as far as the other person, it's one of those things where, again, maybe they have a situation where they personally maybe weren't at risk, but them getting it would put somebody that they care for, somebody in their family that's immunocompromised at risk. And if it's a situation like that and they feel that they want to, they don't have to, they can explain it that way. And I always kind of like to throw in at the end, I'm sure you can understand. Because if somebody, if I wasn't vaccinated and somebody got vaccinated that I was talking to that wasn't in that first group, and I said, you know, well, you took somebody's shot. How could you do that? You know, you're 20 years old and you're healthy. And, and if they said, you know, yes, but my you know, my mother has a severe autoimmune disease and is really susceptible and I'm her caregiver. I'm sure you can understand. That really leaves me very little wiggle room to say anything back. No, I don't understand. I mean, that doesn't make sense. So I like to throw that in there. Um, But again, I, I just caution people on, you know, the jealousy aspect is really based out of fear. And to remember that when you're dealing with somebody who may be giving you, you know, words because you got a vaccine and just kind of understand where they're coming from. It is very much fear-based. And as I wind down here, what are your concerns about, and I'm painting with a broad brush here, but our overall mental health going forward after a year of this, have, Mm -hmm. are you concerned of long-term emotional damage and steps back or could there be an optimistic tone that we've learned we can survive a pandemic? Like we can deal. It sucks. Not saying, you know, it's easy, but could it help uh, going forward that we appreciate more that we maybe don't let the small stuff 
derail us like we used to. And like I said, mm-hmm. this is a broad conversation, but mm-hmm. what direction more are you falling in? Um, I see it in two categories. I think that we're going to see a mental health crisis with regard to healthcare workers. And I'm very concerned about that. Um, we were already seeing it. We're going to see more of it. PTSD, tremendous depression, other types of anxiety disorders, survivor's guilt, um, increased substance abuse. I think that that's the category that I'm, I'm, I'm most concerned with. People that were on the front lines, people that were helping others. Research is already showing this, that that is going to be a crisis, if, if not already. And then I think for people that are not frontline workers, you know, people that have experienced family members dying, but they haven't, or they were asymptomatic, didn't know they had it, got somebody else sick, and that person now has long standing, you know, long hauler symptoms or died or was in the hospital or, or just got really sick or people that got their whole family sick that, you know, the weddings that we hear about where the whole family got sick and four out of five people passed away. I think you're going to see a lot of increased anxiety in those groups as well. I think where we're going to see kind of more optimism are the people that didn't have that much anxiety going into this are eager to get back out and restart their lives that maybe don't have that guilt component because either they didn't experience it or that just wasn't their response to it. Um, I think they will be okay. I think that people that had anxiety before will continue to have anxiety after. I don't think that this is going to be a cure all for people to long-term live differently. I think in the, in the short term, I think this is going to be one of those things that helps people see things clearly maybe, you know, not care, as you said, like, don't sweat the small stuff, re-enter into situations that made them happy, do things that they got pleasure from. But a lot of times what happens is because the trauma is no longer present and ongoing, sometimes that mindset starts to kind of dwindle over time, the further it gets away from the, from the trauma. I think that'll be something to kind of keep in mind that idea of, you know, maybe I'll live differently from this point forward. I think people will, but I'm not sure how long that'll last for. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon. We'll have another episode out soon.